The Gospel reading today is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 10. Please rise for the reading of the Gospel. Matthew, chapter 10, starting in verse 24. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Baal Yavuv, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hair of your head are numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows, even many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life and will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So please be seated. Just like to, um, are there any kids here this morning? They might be all outside. Well, if you'd like to color and paste and avoid the wrath that is to come, then uh, we welcome folks from all ages join our children's program. Let's pray. So, Father in heaven, again, we are your needy children. Lord, sometimes we find ourselves uh, without direction or we lack clarity. Father, I ask that, um, again, your spirit, the spirit of your son, Jesus, will once again be our teacher and our model. And again, we ask for encouragement but Lord, we pray even more for more. We pray for clarity and um, the empowering of your spirit to do those things that please you 
and uh, bring honor to your Father, to you and your Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So we are spending the year of Matthew's Gospel. Um, and uh, we began the week after Pentecost with, uh, in our tradition, or the tradition of many churches, which is known as uh, Trinity Sunday. And uh, we read the, the Great Commission and Matthew 28, go to all the nations um, of the world. And so thus begins re uh, a number of readings uh, that will uh, take us through the summer. And these are readings that will challenge us uh, about discipleship, what it means to be an apprentice, what it means to be a student, a, uh, a learner, a follower. And um, discipleship, as we've mentioned previously, certainly has become popular in recent years and it's a good thing. But the downside of all this might be that discipleship is sometimes looked upon as a program or a workbook or a class. And uh, those things can be very helpful. Let's not be critical of them, but let's not forget that if discipleship is going to be really summed up, or apprenticeship summed up in one word, I think it has to be the word attachment. Attachment, we're attaching ourselves to a person, right? We're, we're being invited to not just follow and imitate that person, we're being invited to participate in the life of that person. And Jesus said in our gospel reading today, the student is not above the teacher, meaning the life that I experience Yes, will be, my experiences will be your experiences. You know, there's no, you might say, hierarchy here, or there's no separation, there's, there's no buffer, to put it in, in other words. So being attached to Jesus, being participating uh, in his very life, and the life that he has with the Father, this is what we call eternal life or divine life. And further, yes, it is a sense of allegiance, yes. It's a, it's a loyalty. Uh, the attachment is so strong that it takes um, priority over all our earthly attachments. And of course, this is uh, highlighted today in the gospel, <clears throat> gospel reading. And the way that uh, very often that attachment it works itself out. Um, that's, and this is our reading from two weeks ago in Matthew 28. Was or is in identification with Jesus. And one of the ways in which we identify with him is through baptism. And secondly, yes, paying careful attention to his teaching and obeying all that he has taught us so that we can teach others. You know, only disciples can make disciples. And so we have 
uh, allegiance, uh, identification, um, attachment, yes, and of course we include obedience. So again, it's more than a program for new, uh, new believers. And last week we did, talked about the urgency of uh, Jesus and, uh, and, being, and wanting to send his disciples out they're the called apostles because they're the ones who are being sent. He sends them out to, to people who are like sheep without a shepherd, to folks who have no direction or who are confused and without question who are being uh, held prisoner by the devil or held prisoner by sin. And uh, there's an urgency in Jesus Yes, that the message of the kingdom, which brings liberation and healing, right, and freedom to people, that this message will start to go out and it will start to uh, bring a reversal, yes, of uh, the corruption brought by, brought by sin. And what was, I, th I thought was very, helpful for me is that when Jesus sends out the 12, he sends them out in such a way that they don't go out with the attitude, hey, I know it all. Hey, I'm to empathize, right? And how to uh, express compassion or to have compassion, <clears throat> yes, uh, with those that uh, we, we are supposed to to minister to. So there's no us and them in all of this. And in today's passage, Jesus continues to talk about discipleship. And it's a little, it, it's a little jarring, is it not? Because here he sends, he sends out his students, his, those who are being apprenticed by him. They go out to heal. They go out to free folks from the, uh, the hold of the demonic. And then all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about persecution and oppression and misunderstanding. And what, what is it about healing? Or what is it about deliverance? Or what is it about compassion and empathizing with people, right? Uh, and the situations in which they live, that's going to cause persecution or that's going to cause uh, this sort of opposition. And Jesus doesn't quite answer that question for us. But he reassures us that there will be difficulties and he further reassures, reassures us of God's promises of, of, uh, of provision and care in the midst of those difficulties. And we would like to see how the disciples kind of walked some of that out. And we do get, a, I suppose, a hint of this in the book of Acts. And we see the story of Peter and Paul. And we can see how there was, on one hand, blessing, and how the early believers were popular. And on the other hand, we can see how opposition came from Jews and Gentiles, which I think in this case sort of represents from all of the human family. Right? There's something that opposes God or something that doesn't want, yes, the human family 
to enter into a place of redemption. And it's, again, I think it'd be interesting to know how these disciples lived this out or what happened to them. But we don't know because most of the time when uh, Matthew's gospel talks about the disciples, it just shows them as being a little dull and uh, not very, not very, you might say, with it. Um, and Matthew's a bit tough on the disciples, although Mark, Gospel of Mark, is really, really rugged. And next year when we're reading Mark, I don't know if I can bring myself to, you know, even repeat some of those things, you know, that Jesus says about the disciples. But in, um, because <laughs> When you read them, you feel like he's not just speaking to them, but he's speaking to us. But the good news is Jesus doesn't fire them and get a, get a, good new, get a, get a new, new group of disciples, right? They're still his students, and he still remains their model. He still remains their teacher. But when I was thinking about the passages or the, that were given to us today, I thought, you know... We don't know so much about how the disciples lived out what uh, Jesus is teaching us this week, but we do have a model. And we do have a, you might say, someone who lived through and walked through much of what Jesus is talking about. And that's our father Abraham. And I thought our passage, uh, the story of Abraham and Hagar, was just in some ways just um, absolutely perfect. Because Abraham, this great man of faith, I think has a lot to teach us, or has a, you might say, lives the message of Jesus even before you know, the message of Jesus is uh, taught to us. And we might think, yeah, Abraham, back there in the midst of time, he's such a great hero, and somehow he becomes almost a legendary mythical figure and he makes it hard, or we think he makes it hard for us to connect with him. But in actual fact, Abraham um, and the story of Abraham will hopefully be real to us and even really relevant. Because again, in the story of Abraham, we have an example with a lot of detail that I believe real, that might help us live out these, you might say, challenging uh, commands that Jesus gives us in our gospel passage. And so, what is the first thing? Is that Abraham, yes, Abraham hears a call. Yes, Abraham gets a call. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, the statement of Jesus from last week, in which Jesus says, to his, his disciples, pray that the Lord sends out disciples, or sorry, pray that the Lord sends out workers into his harvest field. Yes, it's the Lord's harvest and it's the Lord's call. Yes, and so each of us certainly have a call. Each of us need to be um, sensitive to that call. Each of us need to not presume and want to do things God has not called us to do, which we'll come back to in a moment. 
And Abraham, in obedience to the call, does something really radical and very different. He leaves his family. He leaves and goes to another country. Do uh, you know that when Jews were translating this story or translating the book of Genesis into Greek and Gentiles started to read the story, uh, started to read the book of Genesis, one of the things that horrified them was that Abraham would leave his father's family, that Abraham would not be there to either to support his relatives or would not be a part of the clan. Now, this was somehow unthinkable. But Abraham leaves, and in the process, he gives up his past, you might say. He gives up his past. And this is the call of Jesus. The call of Jesus is for us not to be married and to be, and to be nostalgic or, or to be so tied down either by our family or our history or our culture or our language or, the, or our geography, yes, that we can't break those ties, yes? We cannot necessarily break those ties. Otherwise, our attachment isn't first and foremost to God or it's not first and foremost to Jesus. So Abraham doesn't hate his family. There's obviously still connections, etc., etc. But they're not his primary, yes, this is not this primary loyalty, right? His first and foremost loyalty is to God. And so he leaves and he goes to another place. And once he gets to the place and he gets all these promises, guess what? Life doesn't really make sense or things don't make sense because he has God's calling. He has God's promises that he's gonna be the father of many nations, right? He gets a, uh, an assurance that he's gonna have a son and he waits for 25 years, 25 years. And he's just, you know, waiting and waiting. And you know, for, for some of us who like to say, or for, you know, well, God spoke to me 16 times today, or God spoke to me, you know, this and that. Look at the life of Abraham. God doesn't speak to him every day. And surely he must, there must have been years when he didn't necessarily hear from God. Right? And largely, but not totally, you know, Abraham remains faithful. Abraham remains faithful. So it's, it's not that he gives up, only gives up his past. In a sense, he gives up his present. You know, what am I doing here? God's promised me the, the land of Canaan, and I'm living like a Bedouin on the periphery. I'm living in the Jordan Valley. I'm living in the northern Negev. I'm not really inheriting what it was supposedly mine. And when I do want a piece of this land, I buy it. I purchase it. Yes, which is, shows that Abraham is ethical. Right? He doesn't simply try to take something, something for himself. And Abraham um, 
again, that in many cases, I believe it's like the life of a disciple. The life of the disciples that we're called, and it doesn't just always make sense. Yes, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always go according to some big grand plan. And what I like is in this Kenyan liturgy, my favorite part, one of my favorite parts, is the prayer at the end. And the prayer at the end, it says like this. This is the thanksgiving. O God of our fathers, before whose face the generations pass away, we thank you that in you we are kept safe forever and that the broken fragments of our history are gathered up in the redeeming act of your dear son, remembered in this holy sacrament of bread and wine. And how do I understand the way these Kenyans wrote this liturgy? Understand it that uh, on the surface, our life may look random or may seem unconnected, yes? But in, if understood, right, through the life and death of Jesus the Messiah, it certainly does, it can make sense, and it does have its meaning. But still, Abraham just you know, had no, yeah. And finally, Abraham is called to give up his future. And that's when God says, take your son, your only son, the son that you love, which is, by the way, the first time the word love is mentioned in the Bible. Abraham loves his son, and he's called upon, or he's tested at least, to sacrifice, yes, or to offer up what he really loves, his future, his future. And you might say this encapsulates, yes, yeah, what discipleship is all about. Abraham does it in a very flesh and blood, in a concrete way. And if you think, gosh, he's a mighty man of faith, and he's so up there, you know, that he's not touchable, well, I have really good news or bad news for you, depending. Abraham, who passes through many difficulties, doesn't always pass the test. Yes, he doesn't always pass the test. And so he is a man who on one hand has faith like us, but his faith isn't always mature or it's not always perfected. Perhaps it, you might say it comes to a place of completion or maturity when he can take his son. But until then, it's not easy for him because there is, you might say, a motivation not a motivation, there is an underlying fear that Abraham has and Sarah has as well. And that fear in the midst of the faith says, oh, there's a famine, I need to go down to Egypt. Oh, and once I'm in Egypt, the Pharaoh, who is gonna cast an eye on my wife, well, I need to lie, yes. I need to lie. I need to protect myself. Yes, there is a fear of there is a fear of death in the, in the story of Abraham. Yes, <clears throat> and it happens again with Avimelech. Uh, 
in, in the desert. Uh, this time in what is today the northern Negev. Right? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And Sarah is afraid of death also. Because what if there's no heir? What if there's no son or no continuation? After all, you know, getting old and getting old and getting old. And out of panic, yes, out of panic, what does Abraham do? You know, he agrees, right, to sleep with Sarah's maidservant, which brings us Ishmael, right? Again, as there's a fear, and a fear, what's going to happen to me, right? I'm not sure I, I trust God, but I'm not really sure I do trust God, or I trust him some, somewhat. And of course, in the family of Abraham, along with this faith, we have lying and jealousy and deception, yes, and favoritism, which by the way goes from one family, family of Abraham to the family of Isaac to the family of Jacob and to the rest of, the, and the, to the rest of us, yes, and that's, what motivates us, right? Or that's our, you might say what motivates us, that's our modus operandi, right? And so many of us, right, live in fear. And their gospel passage, our gospel passage, yes, as Jesus highlights, yes, the way that fear, yes, um, paralyzes us the way that fear stops us, you know, from being, from, being a, from being disciples, yes? We fear for our life. We fear for our, in this day and age, we fear for our reputation. We fear that God may ask us to change something and we may have to be blasted out of our comfort zone, yes? We fear that we may have to loosen the ties to our family. And by the way, may I just add here that in all of this, when Jesus talks about conflict, it is nothing that we generate. I mean, in the history of the church and in the history of broken people, we have all types of stories of folks who say, yeah, they're gonna hate us anyway. Let's, you know, let's fulfill the prophecy and let's be obnoxious or let's do something uh, maybe more than annoying, yes. Let's use power or force because after all, this is, what's, this is what is expected. Or, you know, how many people have I met over the years who tell me, well, they, have, they, they broke with their mother and father or their uncle or their extended family because of their belief in Jesus. And some of these people are the most annoying right? Uh, immature people you've ever met. And you're, I'm sitting there thinking, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, I'm sure, right? And nothing maybe as little to do with Jesus and everything to do yes, with, uh, with that person's inability or immaturity, right, to get, to, to get along. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, not to be rabble-rousers. And if opposition comes, it shouldn't be something that we generate, Yes, it should be something that we endure. 
but not necessarily something that we generate. And so that fear, right, Jesus surely wants to assure us that we need to trust God's promises because if we live in fear, we will, I think, be unable, right, unwilling, unable to do what? To, to live in the way that Jesus calls us to live, to live in a way that's sacrificial, to live in a way that requires self-discipline, to live in a way that um, causes us, that might bring suffering, right? And perhaps for all of us, to live in a way that's selfless, right? That uh, puts Jesus and uh, his kingdom before our own personal needs. And more often than not, it's a fear of death. And the book of Hebrews says we are held in, we are held in bondage by the fear of death. We're held in bondage by, you know, if I give my life to God, you know, what's going to happen to me? Who's going to take care of me? Or I don't think I can take a risk because I don't think I can trust God's promises. And by the way, we take a risk and we trust God's promises, not in a foolish, yes, general way, but as a result of a calling, yes, as a result of, what, of the very things that God has called us to do. So we are imprisoned by fear. And of course, Abraham and our story has this attachment to Ishmael, and he loves Ishmael, and Ishmael is his son, yes. And even though all of this came about because of a lack of faith and sin, Abraham does the right thing. And in the end, God takes care of his family, and God takes care of Ishmael, and God takes care of Hagar. And the beautiful thing is, many of us don't notice, is that at the end of Abraham's life, when, when it comes time to bury him, Ishmael, and Ishmael is, along with Isaac, both there at the burial, right? There is certainly some form of reconciliation in the midst of this family dysfunction. And yet in the midst of the dysfunction, yes, there is a growth and a maturity and a transformation and Abraham, his calling is no different than, in some ways, our calling. Because in chapter 18, the Lord says, um, he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Is that much different than the call of Jesus who says, go to all the nations of the world and teach them two out of the three and 
commands or injunctions given in the Great Commission have to do with teaching and obedience and listening. Jesus chides his disciples from time to time by saying, you have so little faith. And three times in chapter 10, he says, do not be afraid. And um, to Abraham, when he appears to Abraham in chapter 15 of Genesis, it's do not fear. So the question is, are we willing to examine our fears? Are we willing to allow the Lord to remove those fears? Are we willing to confess them and to repent of them, right? And allow the Lord to free us so that we can live, right? In the way that in the end pleases him and ultimately brings blessing to ourselves. Yes. Brings us well-being. Right? The end of discipleship is not just being a disciple. The end is coming into a place of intimacy with the Lord. The goal of discipleship is actually holiness. And holiness is not only brings honor to God's name, but it brings blessing to us as a community. Therein is our challenge. Abraham is our model. Um, we can um, be fearful and take shortcuts. We can presume upon the will of God. Or we can address those fears. Yes. Ask for the gift of faith. And ask for experiences, yes, that will strengthen and increase our faith. And not to be afraid. So that um, in the end, yes, we can actually inherit, right, the promises of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that um, Abraham and his family and that family story will be a constant reminder. We pray that we'll look to our father Abraham as an example. Lord, we pray that uh, you will give us the grace, Lord, to loosen or to turn away from all attachments and to put you first. We ask that um, our first and foremost loyalty will be to your son, Jesus, the Messiah. And Lord, we pray that um, those fears and lack of faith, especially those fear of death or that fear of change, Lord, will um, be removed in us and be transformed. Lord, so that um, being free from the fear of death or from the fear of uh, sacrifice or even suffering, Lord, we can truly live and live for you and uh, for your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. 
You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.